and welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast. I'm Raven, and I'm here with Kent Sovine, the Multiplication Catalyst at the Mid-America District, and Jared Cleaver, one of the pastors here at Providence. The goal of this podcast is to form disciples who live all of life with the presence of God, and we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Today, we're discussing reverence for God. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Today, we have a new crew on our podcast episode. We're really excited. Jared, Kent, hello. Oh, we're so excited. It's been a while. I know. It has been. Good to be with you, Raven. Andrew is not with us today because he actually had his kidney surgery. Yeah. Yeah. So on October 13th, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. He had a surgery. And Jared, how's he doing now? He's doing well. Like he's not here, but feeling better by the day. I got to see him last week. It was great. Connecting on old times, talking a little NBA basketball, NFL football. <laughs> and he's been sending me a few texts and emails asking how he can jump in from afar as oh he's goodness. distanced <laughs> in his home. What more would you expect from Andrew? Yeah. I've sent some emails out to a whole team of people and he actually was the first guy to respond. Oh my goodness. And he should have just been the last one <laughs> yeah. blowing exactly. it off Turn for a that few email months. Off. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. I can't even believe it happened. I yeah. feel like we've been talking about it for a while and just a blessing that his kidney functioning is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were so impressed because the first day it was producing, I think, 1,500 to 2,000 milliliters of urine rather than the expected 30. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. Well, today we are going to dive into a fun topic. But before we do, Kent, can you share a little bit about yourself so people can kind of get to know you? Yeah, Uh, serving in in the district called Mid-America for a group of churches across five states in the Christian Missionary Alliance family of churches. Uh, Been here in Omaha for about seven and a half years. Uh, Prior to that, got to pastor in a couple local churches for about 15 years. Married to my wife, Jamie. We have five kids. Uh, The oldest (laughs) is a freshman in college, which has been super fun to see her get off into a new season of life and super sad around the house when you stop and remember she's not there. Yeah. Uh, Down to a little fourth grade girl. Uh, So fun family. Get to do a lot of uh, fun ministry stuff and uh, privileged to be able to sit with you guys today. Andrew and I don't totally have a boss technically but if there was one, it might be Kent. And so I got to watch what I say today. Yeah, so, um, but the other thing is, one of our joys is that your oldest daughter is not at home, partly because she's with us. She's in our college ministry hanging out. So we're glad to have you. And your family was with our church the first two years of planting. We're in year four right now. And the Sovine family, all seven of them, uh, were around for the first couple of years and were great sources of encouragement and wisdom. And so... Kent's like a part of our crew, so. I am well aware that you guys see my daughter more than I do. (laughs) (laughs) How does that make uh, you feel, Kent? Not real pleasant. (laughs) Well, she's a joy. And whenever I look at pictures from PC3, our college ministry, she's in almost all of them. Smiling, laughing, hanging out with people. She gets that from her mom, not her dad. (laughs) The smiling thing? (laughs) All of it. (laughs) You won't catch me in the picture anywhere. Uh, (laughs) Oh, that's 
Oh, man. Well, today we have a really fun topic that we get to dive into, and it is reverence for God. And one of the reasons we invited Kent on in is because he even preached about the majesty and glory of God one of the Sundays at Providence. So, Kent, we're excited that you are here for this topic. That means you're the expert and I'm along for the ride. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. Okay, so this topic came about actually out of a really casual conversation. Andrew and I were talking about how to dress on a Sunday morning. And as we were talking about it, I was wondering, okay, is how we dress related to our reverence or respect for the Lord or does it not really matter? And he said, well... We should make that a podcast topic. That's awesome. (laughs) So yeah, we get to discuss that today. But just hearing that, what are your all's first thoughts? When you think of reverence for God, do you immediately think of how you dress? It's probably not the first thing that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you this. I've never worn sweatpants to church before, (laughs) and I'm not wearing sweatpants right now. Right. Uh, I mean, I think at the heart of reverence, well, we were... We were looking up some dictionary definitions, and it was talking about things like deep respect, right? And so I think in my history of growing up in a church, I went to church from day one, there was a sense that dressing up was a part of reverence. I don't know if it's the first thing that comes to mind. I The first thing that comes to mind is maybe like a, hey, take this seriously. Just a general like posture of like, hey, Take it seriously. Like, think about this a little bit. So that's just what comes to mind. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I've ever really used clothing to make a statement. (laughs) (laughs) And, And honestly, it strikes me that for a lot of people, their clothing is really intentional and is, is an attempt to make a statement. And so to even think about does, does dressing up for a Sunday worship gathering, does it matter because are we making the right statement to God about our respect for him? I don't typically think of clothing in that way, which is why my kids would say, well, it's because you're about a decade behind <laughs> all the time. And, and the reality is I'm okay with that. So it is interesting to think about what do we communicate? And I, I think it matters in our day as compared to 50 years ago. I think there was a very different thought. Look at the pictures from way back, go even further back than 50 years ago. And the way people dressed to go to the grocery was radically different. And I think there was a day where it was a sign of respect. I don't know if too often people think in those terms as they get ready to go to a worship gathering or to the office or whatever else. It's just interesting because if you don't think about it, we're just a lot more engulfed in cultural trends than we realize. Like, for example, we were just talking about this yesterday, Raven. People in high school, I don't know about you, Kent, no one would wear sweatpants. It's like, you got to be kind of presentable. And you're like, everyone wears sweatpants to class (laughs) all the time. And there's just a different, even in the last, I mean, I'm kind of old. So... 20 some years ago, I went to high school, like trends have changed. Casualness has kind of taken over. And so you've got this, this kind of on the formal clothing versus casual clothing kind of spectrum. The whole culture has kind of shifted, which is even why, you know, if you ask somebody about dressing up now, it means something different than dressing up, dressing up for church now versus dressing up 40 years ago. I mean, I don't know. You may ask Something about this later, but <laughs> I didn't dare wear 
jeans to church, mm. you know, the first 15 years of my life. So that's just interesting. I would have been in the same boat, but I don't recall it being communicated as an act of reverence. Mm. I think it was more about the appearance we gave to the people around us. And I think probably for most people today, what we wear is first filtered through how will people think of me far more than it is, what am I communicating to God? Am am I communicating reverence? Which is is amazing. Sometimes you walk into a worship gathering and and people who look like (laughs) they just rolled out of bed, they don't really want to be here and they're not even engaged. Or you walk in and there's the person be careful how I say this, but there's the person who clearly spent the last hours trying to figure out how to attract as much attention to themselves as possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thought to have one side of looking like you don't care, you just rolled out of bed. And then the other side where you might be really dressed up just to have people look at you and kind of the middle ground of you just look nice, you look put together and you're at church. And so if we take clothing out of reverence for God. And we just look at reverence for God. Jared, you said it's a deep respect for God Mm. after that definition that we read yesterday. Where do we see reverence for God in scripture? Where do we actually see it in the Bible defined or explained? Well, can you can jump into um, the word pops up a couple times, but just yesterday I was looking at a passage for a little assignment I have in Revelation chapter one, and John gets this vision of Jesus and it has this kind of like majestic language to it and then you see that he falls down falls like a dead man yeah he falls yeah. down in revelation chapter 1 and i'm like wait how many other times has this happened and so then you start looking back and you see all these different people who have fallen down and you see Joshua did it and in Ezekiel it happens and um there's all these like examples one after the other of the sense of like, oh, when you approach God, he is altogether different. Mm -hmm. And that garners some sense of respect or reaction that is, is, I mean, there is a, a, a reverence to it. It's like you almost can't, if you see the full picture, there's only one option and it is to be reverent because nothing else makes sense. Mm. Yeah. I think Raven, the sermon I preached way back, I used the language of utterly other, which really is the definition of holiness, that God is so utterly other. He's so much greater than what we can even begin to comprehend. And it is fascinating if you start at the beginning of scripture and just work your way through the the responses you see of people who find themselves in a very intimate encounter with the Lord. Moses at the burning bush, mm-hmm. and God says, you need to take your sandals off because you're standing on ground that's different. Or Isaiah in Isaiah chapter six, where he sees himself in the throne room of God and mm-hmm. he says, woe to me, I am ruined. I mean, he just recognizes God is so much greater. And that's where you see the holy, holy, holy coming out. You see Job at the end of his long journey and the story there and just his final response in in Job 42, where he's just declaring the greatness of God and at the same time, the smallness of himself. 
Peter in the boat when when Jesus says, throw your net out on the other side, they catch all the fish, and Peter's reaction is, you need to go away from me, Jesus, because I'm a sinful man. I think those are the pictures of reverence for God, mm. just this this awareness of how great he really is. And I am fascinated of John falling, <laughs> Scripture says, like a dead man. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, I, I shouldn't even be standing in the presence of of this God. It is incredible to like tie all those stories together. One specific use of reverence in Hebrews 12 talks about how there's a kingdom that's unshakable. And it's it's kind of hard to explain it all in a short amount of time. But in essence, after that, and thinking about all the things that we've kind of inherited in this unshakable kingdom, we're supposed to worship the Lord. It, the language is something like worship him acceptably with reverence and awe, just this appropriate response, reverence and awe are kind of tied together. So you think of that awe, like something that's awesome or otherworldly. And that's after we see and experience this unshakable kingdom that's kind of invaded our world. And so because of all the things that we've done, we're supposed to respond appropriately at a heart level with reverence. I don't think to tie it back to the first question. The first thing that doesn't come to mind or that comes to mind is not like, oh shoot, let me go put on my black slacks now, you know? <laughs> but there's a sense of there's a just humble heart posture of who I am in light of who that is. I don't even use words like slacks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't either. It's been at least eight to 10 years, so. Yeah, there but are just some like... words that just ought not be in the language. It's interesting that same passage talks about God as a consuming fire. And and I sometimes wonder in my own life, do I treat him like that? That this isn't a God you just go running up to nonchalantly and treat him like he's some sort of just pal. Yeah. Although I'm I'm struck by friendship language in scripture. Yeah. But there should be a deep sense of I am in the presence of the living God. And then when we open our mouths to sing, and we do that with a casualness, we're not even really present, but we're singing to him, singing praises to him. That for me is where the worship gathering gets really unhealthy. I, I personally, I'm not real concerned if you have jeans or slacks on. <laughs> but, I, let's well, let's not bring it back. That we, yeah. <laughs> The posture that we have of recognizing who it is we're addressing. You start painting this kind of picture of reverence. It is a whole nother thought when you're thinking about coming into a worship gathering nonchalant and you're like, well, I hope this is good for me today. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't really like this song and I don't feel that, you know, comfortable opening my mouth very wide. You're like, wait, we're we're operating on two different wavelengths mm-hmm. here, right? It's just a different kind of perspective. I'll also say there is something unique to, and I think we just need to embrace the tension or the mystery to the fact that all those things about the reverence of God and the majesty and the, you know, the otherness of God are true. But yet at the same time, the friendship thing is true that Absolutely. Jesus calls us friend and the God of the universe, one of the persons of the Trinity, we're supposed to call him father. He treats us like children. And you see a parable like the, you know, 
prodigal son where the father comes running to the son and we're kind of supposed to see ourselves in that picture a little bit. And you're like, there is something to where, you know, God is near and personal and Raven, like we've been talking about as a staff, he's in Matthew 11, uh, he's gentle and lowly, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but we could become obsessed with that picture and seeing God as a, or Jesus as a casual friend. And I think we can bring ourselves to him just as we are, our mess to him, but that doesn't change the other part of it either. Yeah, I think it highlights the significance of the gospel in a whole new way Mm. when you recognize this wasn't the bridge between fairly decent people and a God who's a little more decent. Mm. This, This was a bridge between the utterly other, the God of the universe and the worst of sinners like me, and it, it just makes the gospel stand out so much more of what Jesus actually was doing when he went to the cross for us. I, I think it's an amazing thing that the, the holiness of God comes near to a person like me. Mm. And that, that makes Jesus amazing in a, in a radically greater way than what I think we often think. I love what you both are saying because you're getting at the heart of reverence for God rather than just the letter of the law, so to speak, because there could be someone that comes to church every single morning looking put together, but his or her heart isn't in a place where he or she is revering God and having a deep respect or even meditating on all that Christ has done for him or her. And I think that ties back to our liturgy series really well, where we talked about coming to church expectant that God will show up, but we also remember what Christ has done for us. Our heart is in a radically different place than if we just roll out of bed and run on in. Kent, I was thinking about you saying that God is a consuming fire and there is that deep respect, but also there's a friendship aspect. And it's making me wonder, okay, if we have this deep respect for someone, whether that's You know, for some people, the president of the United States, for other people, it's a famous person or someone. If you go up to that person, I'm still going back to the dressing aspect of it. But if I go up to that person, do I want to look like I've just rolled out of bed or do I want to look put together and present myself well? And so I'm almost wondering when we're gathering with the church body and we're coming before God, again, doesn't matter what we wear, but two does it matter our posture of prayer? Because I'm even thinking when I'm by myself, if I'm just laying in bed praying, does that matter? Or should I be on my knees? So kind of where is reverence in our even body language and our posture, if that makes sense? Yeah, probably a challenge I have is Ecclesiastes chapter five. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart Mm. to utter anything before God. Oh, God is in heaven. And you were on earth, so let your words be few. Yikes, that makes me feel kind of weird. I don't know how I yeah, feel about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's in the middle of Ecclesiastes, what? right? Where there's all this almost like sarcastic language of everything's meaningless and you might as well eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you're going to die. All oh that kind of language. And right in the middle of that book, you've got this declaration that just says, be careful when you approach him. And and again, I think it it causes some tension with the idea of God as consuming fire and God as friend, who John 14 says, I'm going to come and make my home in you. There's a tension there. And 
for me, I think it has far more to do with what's my heart posture in approaching him than how cleaned up did I get. So I think you're safe. I think you're okay to pray first thing in the morning before you even get out of bed. I think that's okay. I also think we still have the obligation of recognizing who we're approaching. And I think we can communicate that through our heart posture more than we can through our physicalness. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think the danger is kind of the cart before the horse thing, right? You're getting the outside thing, but you're not paying attention to the inside, which is what Jesus deconstructed the whole... Like, he was tearing down all the way through the Sermon on the Mount. He's like, you've heard that it said this, but let me get to the heart of the issue. Let me get to the intent. And then you see him right after that, beginning to usher in this kingdom and proclaim himself as the king. And he's hanging around with these people that are unlikely and all of a sudden he's around sinners and tax collectors and the people who are put together and in all their garb and spending all their time in the temple don't like that and they you know they don't see that's right and it's because they had some of the outside stuff figured out but the heart wasn't there and they didn't believe they didn't follow i mean our hearts are prone to an easy route to Oh, so I need to do it this way, this way, this way. I need to dress this way. I need to, you know, look this way, present this way. And Jesus is always taking people back to the heart as a starting point. Yeah, that's good. As a final question for you both, we've gotten at the heart of reverence. How would you want people to think on a Sunday morning when they wake up? How would you want them to best be set up to revere God that morning? If it's not by the way that they dress, what do you want their heart posture to be in order to actually be able to revere God? I think it is starting from a place of just reminding ourselves who we are and who he is. And maybe it's go back and read the first few verses of Ecclesiastes 5, but just putting ourselves in a posture within our own hearts and minds, first and foremost. Uh, From there, I think the question is more, how do I go through this experience and not make it be about me? And as you're standing in front of the mirror for however long that takes you, to not sit there under the weight of, I need to appear a certain way. Because ultimately, when you do walk in the gathering, then you will walk in most concerned about what people think about you. So for me, it's more a heart posture and then just let yourself flow from there. Yeah. The more and more we talk about this, the more I'm realizing how much I personally become fixated on what we do and how we dress rather than the heart posture behind it. Because honestly, if I go to God and I'm in sweats or I'm in a gray outfit, it doesn't really matter. My heart is what needs to revere him. But I also think our heart posture of reverence for God will overflow into our lives differently. So for me, I just feel like when I am in reverence for God and how I'm not a distraction to those around me means just looking a little nicer for church on Sundays. And that's just me. Whereas for someone else, it might be deconstructing their idea of having it all together and needing to wear sweatpants and just say, you know what, I'm going to have reverence for God. I mean, as long as we're not being a distraction and we can come together, I think that's good. But yeah, for me personally, I need to 
dress up and that's just kind of how God's wired me. That's how I take things seriously and give weight to them and also remind myself and put myself in a heart posture of, okay, I'm going to get up this morning, going to get ready and prepare my heart. And part of that is me getting ready for the day. Yeah. I think as much as we've shied away from the clothes thing, like, I mean, I might have said this at the beginning. I ain't going to wear sweatpants to church, you know? And I think one of the ideas of the clothes thing is just the association of like, hey, does sweatpants just mean that you're rolling out of bed and just trying to make it because you think, oh, I just got to make it here. Well, then everything is out of whack. Your mind is out of whack. You're rushed. You're hurried. Your heart's not there. You're, you know, and so, and I'm saying this with all compassion and grace to people with little kids who have to sweat it out to try to make it in time to stuff their kids in a minivan because, you know, we're in that life stage slowly, maybe stepping out in the next couple of years. Like, I'm not saying you got to be like put together and you, you know, had to spend an hour in prayer on your knees in the morning because that's just not a reality for everyone. But um, like you said, different for everyone. Like maybe some people who are listening like need to take like gathering the gathering of the church on Sunday a little more seriously. And maybe that means getting up a little earlier. Maybe like, maybe it could be a represent an outward representation of a heart thing for you to like wear something a little different, as long as you're not trying to do it to impress people. But it's not, that's not the thing, you know, that's not, if, if you want to use that as a representation of a heart thing, or if that helps you get in a mindset, sure. But it's your heart there. consider like, can't said. I think, yeah, consider who we are, consider who God is, and come as Hebrews says, like worship him acceptably with reverence and all. Thank you all for joining us today. The goal of the Christian Formation Podcast is to form disciples who live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. If you want to find out more about us, check us out at ProvidenceOmaha.org. If you have podcast topics, comments, or questions, please email us at formation at ProvidenceOmaha.org. We'll see you next week.